This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, uh, Big game tonight uh, down at the Scotiabank Arena. Uh, Raptors uh, look like they're in a little bit tough with the Milwaukee a little, Bucks. A little. Uh, a little bit tough. Uh, we were sitting here last week with Butch Carter, and we're going to have Butch. Uh, we're going to have Butch on the show uh, later on in the hour. Uh, we're going to chat with him about uh, about tonight's game. Um, things looked, uh, you know, last Sunday night was a pretty incredible event with the Kawhi Leonard shot, and we were on a high and. And uh, as 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 things are prone to be in sports, Naz, uh, we came back to earth with a resounding thud. Uh, uh, so the, we got off to the most incredible of starts for the Toronto Raptors. And then, uh, yee. It sure was exciting <laughs> last Sunday, though. That was yeah. an incredible finish. And yeah. you know what? I think they've kind of won their season doing that. It seems to me like they've really uh, let up. And that was the, that was their championship last Sunday. Yeah, well, it, it felt like it was a shot like that, you know. It's, well, certainly, yeah. I mean, it was a shot for the ages. The most incredible part about that was the uh, was the photo that was taken. Uh, I think it's Stan Stan Bahal of the of the, the Post Media. Um, one of the most incredible sporting photos I've ever seen. It just uh, the anticipation, and uh, you know, I posted it on social media. The anticipation. Just look at the faces of the people uh, that are watching that ball dangling on on the rim, just waiting for the signal of which way the ball is going to roll, whether it's going to come inside, and then framed by the backboard, which has got which has already turned red. As it does when when the game's over, it's just the most incredible picture. Hey, we're going to talk about we're going to talk some basketball. You know, I, I, I found one of the clips where uh, Casal does the sign of the cross. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was terrific. <laughs> right? Yeah, it just uh, the you know it just yeah it's just it's just one of those priceless photos and 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 uh, congratulations to the photographer uh, Stan Bahal. I mean, just yeah, that's that's a picture of a lifetime. I mean. Uh, I, I don't know how you can capture a moment any better than that one. And uh, we'll talk some basketball with Butch Carter in the middle of the hour. We'll preview tonight's game. Uh, just everybody aware at that uh, point in the show, we've got some uh, the good people at Pizzaville have uh, have uh, donated two $50 gift certificates. Let me try that one again. Two, two $50 gift certificates. Pizzaville, uh, it's great pizza. The good people at uh, 
uh, at Pizzaville, Angelo, Nella, Stephanie, and all the good people there uh, who've been big-time supporters of our show from day one have generously donated uh, those certificates. They're big items. We'll give out the numbers at some point in the show. Uh, call in, and uh, we're happy to give those away. Um, and also, uh, shortly after the first break, about 9.20, we'll be talking. It's it's a major championship Sunday, although it's an odd Sunday to have a major championship in, in, in May. The PGA has never happened in our lifetimes anyways, Naz. In May, it's always been a late August event, and it's sort of, you know, it's sort of getting used to the idea that there's actually a major championship this weekend. It seems a little bit out of sorts. Uh, but uh, joining us on uh, major championships, joining us on Sundays when we uh, when we have that going, John Steinbreder. John is uh, one of the great golf writers in the world, uh, senior golf writer for Global Golf Post, a great digital golf magazine, award winnings. One has won writing awards all over the world, and it's always a thrill to have John with us when there's a major championship going on at this course called Beth Page. Beth Page. Black uh, comes with a warning sign. When you tee off there, there's a warning that says, if you're not a good golfer, please don't tee off here. So we're going to be talking some golf. Inevitably, uh, the Stanley Cup has not yet been awarded, Naz. That means uh, the hockey season's still ongoing. Um, San Jose must have nine lives. They must own, <laughs> they, own shares of the NHL. Yeah, they, they've used up uh, they've used up a few of them in this in this particular Stanley Cup run. But uh, I don't know if there's any joy in Leafland having a having a having every second night. If you're watching the NHL playoffs, and we got to watch the hated Bruins uh, go on a run that appears Naz uh, at this point in time, they look they look fairly unstoppable. They uh, you know, Carolina threw everything they possibly could at them, and uh, the Bruins didn't flinch. And 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 the guy who flinched the least is every time I see him in a Bruin uniform, I just shake my head and say, you know what, this guy could have solved the Toronto Maple Leaf goaltending situation for a decade, uh, and and we decided to trade him. Uh, well, yeah, John when I say Fer- we, John when I say Ferguson, we, John I don't mean Junior. That. It was a JFJ Junior. Who's now with the Bruins? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to point out he traded uh, for Andrew Raycroft. And, Remember that? Yeah, and and I guess the theory behind Tuka Rask was I, if I'm not mistaken, Naz, uh, he, he was coming up at the same time as Justin Pogi, wasn't it? Wasn't he? And Pogi was drafted by the Leafs, had that great run at the at the at the junior tournament, best goalie in the tournament, and somehow we decided we were going to take the Leafs into the future with Andrew Raycroft and Justin Pogi, and we let Tuka Rask get away to the Boston Bruins, and we've had to stomach that now for uh, a few playoff series. Uh, this one especially. This uh, one especially. You know, I mean, he, uh, you know, I mean, he'd look great in a blue and white uniform. Tyler Bozak would look great in a blue and white. He's in blue and yellow, I guess. Uh I mean, there's a few Leafs. He's, uh, he's, there's a few former Leafs around uh, still playing in the NHL playoffs, Naz, uh, who are who are having impact. Uh, you know, I go back. You know, we we're just talking in the last series. Roman Polak, who uh, who got hustled out of town here, was playing 19 minutes a game for the Dallas Stars in the playoffs. And you know what? 
uh, you know, it's easy. It's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. What you got the microphone here on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock, and you're not you're not down at uh, on Bay Street having to make these decisions. I'm sure it's a lot more difficult down there. You know, you got to you got to juggle. Bozak was basically, uh, uh, I wouldn't say uh, shown the door. He was, you know, he's basically wasn't brought back for salary reasons more so than hockey reasons. Uh, but he's playing pretty good for the Blues, isn't he? He takes every important draw on both ends of the, of the rink. He plays the power play, and he kills penalties. What else do you want? That's the type of player yeah, that but that, is, is that kind of player worth five? I don't know what he's making. He's, he's making, making over five. Five million. Five, a little little north of five. Is is that, is, you know. Well, would third, you rather have Kadri or Bozak? That's a, you know, that's a really fascinating question, as it's an excellent question uh, that you posed to me earlier, just before we went on the air. And I'd have to think about that one. Um, yeah, well, Kadri, uh, remember, is only making, I think, about 4.1, 4.2. Um, if Kadri hadn't, hadn't have done, uh, hopefully my grammar's correct, if Kadri hadn't have done what he did in the last two playoff series, which is get thrown out of the series, or, well, a year ago thrown out of three games, uh, but if he hadn't have done that, I, I'm not so sure we'd be having this debate. Um, Kadri's probably a higher skill level, brings brings sandpaper, uh, a little bit of grit, uh, suffers his mental lapses from time to time. Um, Bozak brings a different skill set. Smart player, Bozak. Smart player, smart. Uh, intelligent player, controlled player, good, you know, obviously better in the faceoffs. Uh, completely different skill set. Would you rather have Kadri at four point two million or Bozak at five million? I'd probably say I'd rather have Kadri if he can stay on the ice. If he can't stay on the ice in a playoff series, I guess I'd prefer Bozak. Yeah, it's a good, good, uh, good thing what Bozak's doing for the Blues. He's really developing into a great two-way player. An interesting thing, you, you, yeah, and we watch the Blues. And it seems like a lifetime ago, a lifetime ago that Alexander Steen was a Toronto Maple Leaf. Yeah. And we lost him for, who was that guy? You know, you know that's the beauty about Zoomer Radio. You can't remember anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to think about who was the knuckleballer who played for the Toronto Blue Jays. Tom Candiotti. Tom Candy, a long time ago. We couldn't even remember R.A. Dickey. You remember Dickey, Hoy Mas- Wilhelm? Hoy, Hoy Wilhelm, yeah, and Phil Necro. But getting back to... Um, Lee Stepniak. Lee Stepniak. Lee Stepniak. Yeah. That's that's the guy we isn't that the guy they traded Steen the, and Koliakov yeah, for? Yeah. Yeah, that was a great trade. Was that yeah. John F was that uh, No, Jay, that was Cliff Fletcher, uh, in, Fletcher. interim manager at one time yeah. and he made that trade that for Lee Stepniak. Yeah, how, how long did Lee Stepniak last with the Leafs? A year, two years. Here, two years. How long Steen been with St. Louis? Long time. Ten years, right? Yeah. He looks, he's, he's playing fourth line though. Yeah, but he's in his what he's in his mid thirties now. Yeah. He's had a good career. He's you know? making five million too. Yeah, well, five you know, six million. If you've been around long enough, the the paycheck eventually goes up, doesn't it? But getting back to you know, I mean, it's pretty tough for Leaf fans to be watching what the Bruins are doing, given you know we had them on the ropes. At least I thought we had them on the ropes. We had them up three two coming back on a Sunday afternoon at the Scotia Bank Arena, and you know we just you know just was just, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a terrible performance by the Leafs or the Bruins. Bruins just seem like a team that uh, they don't, this particular edition of the Bruins in this playoff run, um, they just seem to, um, 
you know, they uh, they know how to win. It looks it looks too easy for them. It looks easy. Uh, not so them. much easy. It's frustrating for the other team. Um, it, you know, after after the third game against Columbus, you know, the Bruins have been on a roll, and you sort of you know it's like in in it just they they just you know they absorb all the other team's pressure when they have to. Make, you know, Tuka Rask is just, he's playing in a zone, frustrating the, you know, frustrating the hell out of the other teams. And the Bruins go up and they've got these third, fourth liners that just score goals. They're scoring too. Right. Yeah. And if the third, fourth liners, and then if you control, you know, you control Marshawn, you control Pasternak, you control Bergeron, and you got these other guys who are killing you. You got the Jake DeBrusques and the Charlie Coyles. And what was that guy who was Corrali? Corrali. Corrali. Yeah. Uh, you got these other guys that, you know, we don't see much of those guys in Johansson, Toronto. Johansson. You know, yeah, and they're, they're, they're incredible. You know, you talk about pickups, you know, I, you know, and these guys have come in and they filled a role. And, you know, if the, if the first guys aren't, aren't, aren't bringing it, you know, the fourth liners are killing you. And, you know, that was the same thing with the Washington Capitals last year. It was the Wilsons and the Devontae Smith Pellies. You, know, you try, you go crazy trying to control the Ovechkins and the Backstroms and, and those guys. And then when the fourth line guys kill you, you mean it completely deflates your team and your goalie's standing on his head. Um, you know, good luck to the St. Louis Blues. The only, the only advantage of St. Louis Blues in, or the or San, or San Jose, Jose, whichever one of the two wins that series. And right now I, I sort of consider it a toss up. It really should be, you know, I don't know if it should be 3-1. Uh, you know, who knows what would have happened. Based on the play, it should be 3-1. Right. So it's going to be one of those teams. The only advantage they have going to them is the Bruins are probably going to have an 11-day layoff. I think the NHL just announced uh, the first uh, game of the finals. It's 11 days off. That may dull uh, the Bruins' advantage. I don't think any team wants to have an 11-day. I think the Bruins would like to start the playoffs today. Uh, they're on a roll. Um, you know, that, that layoff will probably dull them a little bit. And, you know, the, the St. Louis Blues, uh, I don't see San Jose beating Boston. Uh, St. Louis, I don't see them beating the Boston that just finished off the Carolina Hurricanes. But if the team, the Boston team that comes back off the layoff isn't as sharp as the one uh, that just Knocked off Carolina. I, w- I would give the I would San, give the Blues San, a fighting chance. San Jose, uh, Boston has the goaltending matchup for sure against San Jose. Against St. Louis, not so sure because uh, yeah, Bennington they, they, can they, stand they, on his head. Yeah, he's played well. Yeah. The kids played well. Yeah, he's it's sort of up and down in the San Jose series. But when he's on, you know, if he if he plays if he's on and plays his game, then um, then uh, you never know. Wally, anyway. the Shanna plan six more years. <laughs> Six more years. Yeah, Brendan Shanahan. Uh, you know, I, I don't have any great disputes with Brendan Shanahan. He's brought a new, you know, he's brought a new uh, sense of professionalism, a new sense of class to the organization. Mm-hmm. You, we can quibble about the Lamorello, Dubas, Mark Hunter thing. Um, you can quibble about some of the contracts if you want to. If you want to blame him or you want to blame Dubas for the, all these contracts going north of eleven million dollars. I, I don't have any. I don't have any. No, huge, deserves, you know, I don't have any huge disputes. A lot of money, six years, not my money. MLSC's got a lot of money. God bless Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, he, deserves, he deserves it. I think. Shanahan. I'm not so sure he deserves it, but God bless him. You know, uh, he, he's been good for hockey in Toronto. Uh, you know, from where we came from, and hopefully, hopefully, 
this team can take us to the promised land. Uh, I think the jury's still out on that one, but we have our fingers crossed. And uh, it's time to go to break. And as soon as we come back from the break, we'll be talking major championship golf with award-winning golf writer John Steinbrenner. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto and the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. On the internet, live video streaming, www. ZoomerRadio.ca. It's a major championship Sunday, and who else could we possibly have on the show? But award-winning golf writer, senior writer at Digital Magazine, Global Golf Post, one of the great, great uh, golf magazines on the internet. Of course, I'm talking about John Steinbrenner. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. It's uh, it's become a tradition having you here uh, when something uh, something major is going on in the golf world. Although this particular time, it's the B- PGA Championship in May, uh, and my brain is having a tough time adjusting to that. Uh, John, uh, <laughs> I, it's like I, I you know I pick up, I look at it, it says it's major, it's May. Well, what happened? Anyways, the PGA normally goes in August, and uh, your thoughts about the uh, the change to uh, to earlier on in the year? Well, you know, I, I kind of like it in, in one regard because I enjoy the uh, you know the sort of the action is pretty fast and furious, isn't it? You know, starting with the players in March, the Masters, now the PGA, the U.S. Open, and then the the Open Championship, and uh, 
You know, August is a month that everybody's, a lot of people are on vacation. It's uh, sort of the dog days of summer. And I don't know, I think, you know, the PGA is, is sometimes lack the attention that it deserves being in that time of year. It's also shut it out from going to a lot of venues in the South, like a Southern Hills in Oklahoma, for example, simply because it's just so bloody hot there. Um, you know, in the same token, um, it's nice that they can uh, move it around to some different sites, uh, having it in May. And I think it plays into the whole thing that, that's a problem for uh, North America, uh, especially in the U.S., is, is the football season. Once Labor Day comes and uh, football's upon us, uh, it really is amazing how interesting golf, no matter how good the golf is, drops off. So by doing it this way, you can have the FedEx playoffs in August, get everything wrapped up Labor Day weekend, and then move into the football season with your major uh, tournaments and championships uh, having been played with the exception of, um, you know, the President's uh, Cup or the Riders Cup, you know, coming up in late September. So I, I like the idea. It's going to be a problem for places like um, Oak Hill in uh, Rochester, New York, and Colorado, Wisconsin, and, and those northern climes, because, you know, here in Connecticut, I mean, <laughs> where, I'm, where I'm calling you from, and it's not far from Bethpage uh, Black, you know, spring has just barely <laughs> arrived, and it's a little early in the northern climes, and it's going to be really early for tournaments, uh, let's say in Chicago or uh, in Boston with the Country Club or places like that. So it, it may affect it in those areas a little bit, but I'm pretty happy with the change. I like it. Uh, we certainly hope uh, spring arrives soon because we got an early Canadian Open this year uh, that's coming up. Uh, the, <laughs> the date change uh, just down the QEW from our studio here in Hamilton. So uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully spring arrives uh, up in up in these parts as well. There's two stories, uh, two big stories arising from this PGA so far. John, uh, of course, uh, the story, uh, the course is always Bethpage Black, is always yep. a story. Uh, the interesting thing about Bethpage Black is always the uh, the little sign before the first tee, where it it puts mm-hmm. it puts golfers on notice that you know what, unless you're, <laughs> it's a tough course. If you're not if you're not a highly skilled golfer, perhaps you might want to go play somewhere else. Uh, and of course, Brooks Kepka is just a story behind belief. So let's start let's start with paint. Let's paint the picture, and then we'll talk about Brooks. Uh, Beth Page Black, you wrote an article about it in um, in uh, Global Golf Post. Tell us, tell tell our listeners uh, your impressions of Beth Page Black. Well, it's a it's a great golf course. It's a it's a really an excellent venue for um, for a major championship like this. The New York State Open has been contested there pretty much uh, consecutively since um, I guess the mid nineties. Uh, the, the course, you know, the best page state park complex here, the, uh, first four courses that were part of that were built kind of in the uh, mid thirties around the depression area. A lot of WPA workers, which are, which was a, uh, program under, under Roosevelt, uh, Tillinghast, uh, the primary architect and, um, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the, the black was, you know, really designed to be, the hardest course, they, uh, they wanted it to be sort of like a Pine Valley type course, which had just come online. So, um, you know, very difficult, very much of a test. And, uh, because it was a state park, they had other courses there. The, you know, the red and the yellow, uh, come to mind that, you know, we're going to be in blue. We're going to be less difficult, but this is going to be the hard course. Um, it's, it's you know, beautiful territory, lots of great contours, lots of rolling, uh, hills, lots of woods. 
And, um, you know, unfortunately, because being a state park and, and sort of a government entity, I'm afraid the conditioning just wasn't up to snuff. And when they decided to bring the Open there, the U.S. Open there in 2002, it really led to a revival. Uh, Reese Jones came in. He, um, you know, he did his usual Open Doctor stuff that he'd been doing for, for many years. And they've really invested money into maintenance. And the, and the course is in terrific shape right now. And it's a great test of golf. It's great for the Mets section uh, professionals, they love to play it. The top golfers in the uh, metropolitan New York area adore it from a tournament venue standpoint, and it's it's done very well in two opens and is doing well in this um in this PGA, um, a long course, a bear of a golf course. You know the greens aren't crazy canted like a lot of Tillinghast greens can be at, at Wingfoot or at Baltusrol, for example, or San Francisco Golf, where. You really need to be in the white right quadrant on the green. The greens here are a little bit more sublime. Part of it, I think, is um, a, a little tamer. Part of it was because this was going to be a public golf facility, even though it was going to be tough. They wanted you know everyday people to be able to play it. Um, some of it is because they think the superintendent at the time, who was helping in the construction of the golf course, finished off the greens at that stage and not Tillinghast himself, so they didn't have the you know, Tillinghast signature undulations and, and sort of the back-to-front sloping that make you know, Wingfoot uh, east and west such bears. And it's a really great course. The pros love it. Uh, the difference between this time of year and June when the Open has been here in the past is that uh, the, there's not been a great growing season uh, yet of length, so the rough is not going to be nearly as up uh, today as it will be a month from today. So uh, I think it was a little more forgiving in that regard, but still has been pretty wet around here, so it's playing long, although you wouldn't know it from the way Kepka's playing, and it's, <laughs> it's playing tough, and um, it's really, again, set up by the PGA, which is less concerned about resistance to par than the USGA is. Um, it's you know They're allowing some lower scores, and we're seeing some of that go on, so it's, I think it's held up nicely and given a great test of golf for the players. John, with Brooks Kepka winning today, will be his fourth major in eight tries, last eight tries. Is he the number one golfer right now? Absolutely. I think Jim Nance said it really well. I was actually out of the country in Scotland last week. My wife sent me a, a link to um, a transcript from a press conference, a conference call he had. And, you know, and, and, and Jim really was defending Kepka and thought that he really deserved a lot more credit than he's been getting. And our Ron Green Jr. at Global Golf Post, who, you know, wrote a similar piece. And, uh, you know, the guy is just playing great, great golf, and he's dominating. I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, he was he got a seven-shot lead here in the yep. run in the final round, <laughs> round of a major championship. I mean, in the PGA, though, it's got, it's not the strongest, one of the top three, you know, fields in terms of strength of the players in it every year. And, and he's just, he's playing a different game. What, what did uh, Hogan say about Nicholas or... I guess it was Bobby Johnson about Nicholas, uh, you know, a game with which I'm not familiar. I mean, his dominance is something else, and he goes about his business, and he's been overlooked, and maybe he's used that um, as a little bit of a motivation. But it's, yeah, I'd say he's absolutely the best player on the planet right now. And how do you, it's sort of funny, isn't it? How does a guy who's won three and seems to be uh, ready to win his fourth major in eight tries? not be having more press than this guy is. If it was Rory or Tiger or somebody else, it's all we'd be talking about. John, look look ahead to the U.S. Open. How does that course fare up with uh, Brooks Kepka? It's Pebble, isn't it? I mean, it? I, I think, uh, think that, you know, the thing with, with Pebble is that, um, 
you know, from a length standpoint, he can certainly handle any length that's thrown out at, uh, at him. He's got tremendous confidence in his game. I think it's sort of funny with all the time he played overseas that he played a lot of different courses. He's played a lot of the British Isles. He understands how to play in the wind. He understands how to play in, you know, courses with a lot of different grasses. And of course, you know, Pebble's famous for its public greens, and then that gives some people fits. Um, I think he's really set up uh, well to do this. I mean, somebody wanted three opens in a row. It's just almost impossible to conceive of in this day and age. And, you know, you've certainly got to take a Tiger having won a Pebble. Big time, um, you know, in, in 2000, and, and you've got to, you know, imagine other people being there and being ready. Dustin Johnson, for example, who uh, who should have won there the last time the Open was there. So, or um, I, you just you gotta you gotta have him in the mix. I think it'd be remarkable, almost impossible to win a third Open in a row. But how do you not put him in the top, you know, two or three of your favorites uh, for that tournament? I think the course sets up well for him. I think any course sets up well for him right now. Uh, he he just seems capable of playing uh, his game and playing well and consistent and steady uh, anywhere on the planet. It just he's just um, you know what I see about he, he, he when he's playing at this level, it's it's literally he's playing at a level that nobody's achieved since Tiger, probably in the early two thousands. Um, he's hitting the ball. 330, 340 yards down the middle of the fairway, and he's getting into par, into 500 yard par fours, like with with nine irons. I mean, it's a, it's a different game. And I think I think Tiger was quoted the other day. He says, "Well, you know, the game's a lot easier if you're hitting into a par four with a nine iron when other guys are hitting five and six irons." Um, well, ask Chris, ask Chris DeMarco that when he lost the Tiger yeah. playoff that year at the Masters. I mean, that was what DeMarco did all day long with. Hit these great form five irons, and Tiger was hitting eight and nine irons. And remember, that's when Tiger won his first Masters in 1997. That was a dominance, wasn't it? Tiger was he turned all the par fives at Augusta into par fours for him, and he and he super dominated. So it, it makes an enormous difference. I mean, I can't even tell you to shoot 63 under champion conditions at Best Page Black is is it's as good a round of golf as you can play. I mean, it's, that's unbelievable. And again, it's been raining a lot here through the spring. I'm sure the course is a little softer than, you know, the, even they would like it to be at times. And there were guys, you know, Adam Scott shot 64. There were some low scores. Uh, with Jordan Spieth shot 66, I think. Um, you know, there have been some some people have gone low, but for what Kepka's done consistently on this golf course, which is as hard a golf course as there is on the Rota for any major championship, um, it's. It's staggering to me. Yeah, and Brooks Kepka. I mean, he's he's got the physique of a of a football linebacker. I mean, he's just you know he's a solid solid man. Um, and 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 we all talk about his long game. John, I want to I want I want you to talk about this. You don't shoot sixty threes or sixty fives on major championship courses unless you have a deft putting touch. Uh, so aside from Brooks being a physically imposing individual from a physical standpoint, he's got John Daly type touch. I mean, he's unbelievable. Uh, he's got he's got you're exactly right. He's got John Daly type touch and and very undaily discipline <laughs> in terms of every every other way he seems to approach the game. And I just think he's so mentally strong too. I mean, yeah, he's a wonderful putter and, and, and a chipper and. I mean, he, all, every aspect of his game right now is um, is firing uh, on all cylinders. And you think about how close he came at Augusta to 
to winning there, if he'd made a putt or two, um, he would have been in a playoff uh, with Tiger or would have beaten Tiger. So, you know, he's right there and everything's working well. And I just think the thing that impresses me so much is his attitude. This guy has been utterly dissed by uh, the media in a lot of ways and by the greater golf world in terms of, I remember last year at the uh, tour championship, he wasn't even invited for a, um, you know, an interview. Uh, prior to the tournament, like you'll have with these pre-tournament interviews with the top players, and he wasn't even invited to one. I mean, this is a guy who just won two major championships in one season and won a second U.S. Open in a row, and, and he didn't even make the cut for that, which is extraordinary. And everybody wants to talk about Ricky, you know, leading up to this. Is Ricky going to finally win a major, and is Tiger going to come back after the Masters? And, and he just, folks, continues to be an afterthought, I don't think, anymore after this. But uh, his mental strength is, is remarkable to me as well with all his physical tools and all he can do physically with golf. But he seems to be in a great place mentally. He seems to know how to handle all of this stuff, and he's just focused and and, and very low-key and just going about his job. He's going about it very well. Anyways, we've been talking to John uh, John Steinbreder, uh, senior golf writer for uh, Global Golf Post, one of the great, great uh, golf sites on the Internet. I uh, highly encourage all our listeners to uh, check in at globalgolfpost.com. Uh, some great, great writing by some of the great golf writers in the world. John, uh, uh, hopefully we get an opportunity to chat on uh, U.S. Open Sunday. I know it's out at Pebble Beach. Uh, this year, which should be a spectacular, spectacular venue, especially if if Brooks manages to keep his seven-stroke uh, lead. And you know what? You and I, John, and as we all know, anything can happen on a golf course. <laughs> you never well, know. Be, you, you do. You never know, and, and it'll be interesting to watch, but it's funny, isn't it? I mean, there's one real story in this tournament. It's Brooks Kepka. It's not like other majors where you've got four or five, gosh, the Masters last year when you uh, this year, when you and I chatted yep. on Sunday, when we all chatted on Sunday, I mean, there's like seven stories we were talking about the possibilities and all the different angles. And Kepka's really kind of, uh, you know, he, he's made it about himself, and we'll see what happens at Pebble. It'll be a great tournament out there. It's a celebration, you know, the 100th anniversary of, of Pebble Beach coming online, one of the great golf courses in the world, one of the great golf resorts in the world, one of the most scenic places on earth. And it should be a wonderful week out there, and I look forward to chatting that Sunday as, as we do per usual and into a great tournament there as well. Thanks, uh, John. You know how much we appreciate your golf insights, your golf passion, and uh, uh, once again, thanks so much, and uh, we hope we do get a chance to talk to you on uh, U.S. Open Sunday. Thanks so much, John. All right, guys. All the best. Take care. Thank you, John Steinbreder. Uh, anyways, we've got to go to break, Naz. As soon as we come back from break, we'll have Butch Carter. Uh, we'll be given, as soon as we come back from break, we'll be giving out the numbers. We've got two Pizzaville $50 coupons, which uh, we're going to, uh, to the first callers who call in. So when we come back from the break, we'll give out those numbers and we'll be chatting with Butch Carter, Raptors Bucks. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced their loyalty program, but some listeners thought I was saying royalty program. <coughs> to be clear, Pizzaville cannot get you into the royal family. Stop that. However, after your sixth online order, you'll get a large pizza of your choice free with your seventh order, and that'll make you feel like a king or queen. Oh, boy. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. 
Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. And welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. As promised, uh, we've got two Pizzaville gift certificates we want to give away. So if you uh, if you're near your phones, we've got two of them, $50. Here are the numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. There's two of them, $50, it's fantastic pizza. Please call in once again, last time, 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Our lights are flashing. These are hot items. Uh, if the phone is ringing, uh, give it some time. Our, we only have one producer in answering the phones. He may be on the first call. Uh, hang in there. Anyways, we're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour for, uh, for this morning, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. We're doing great. And Butch, last Sunday morning you were in studios. We were nervous. It was a game for the ages. Kawhi Leonard put uh, put the city of Toronto and the southern Ontario, Canada, in celebration mode. And then we came back down to earth. And I guess it's do or die tonight, Butch. Uh, analyze the week's Raptors events. Uh, specifically the first and second game with the Bucks. What went wrong? What do they have to do tonight to turn it around? Well, I mean, they, they, they put forth a great effort. And uh, in the first game, Kyle Lowry was as productive. It's the most productive playoff game he's had since uh, playing in the playoffs for Toronto. Uh, he really was a star. Again, their isolation basketball for Kawhi on the right side of the floor. Milwaukee was well prepared for, <clears throat> and he was extremely inefficient, as was the whole team in the fourth quarter, and they couldn't get anyone to make a shot outside of Kyle. So, you know, so close, the best chance to get uh, a win. The uh, second game was just a serious blowout. It was uh, the acquisition of the uh, three veterans that Milwaukee made is probably the best three acquisitions of any team. 
this year. Um, <clears throat> Milwaukee is on a path at 10 and one in the playoffs, uh, which is like the third or fourth all time best. All the three teams ahead of them who've done that uh, have won uh, the NBA championship. The history of being down two games in an Eastern Conference playoff, uh, there's only five, there's 56 times it's happened, only five teams. So the Raptors' opportunity is measured in historically as about 10%. Um, and I say it's a little less than that because the last two teams that have done it in the last 19 years in the East alone uh, have had a kid named LeBron James. He did it in 2007 against the Detroit Pistons. And then last year, remember the Celtics were up two games on Cleveland and Cleveland came back. Um, I think the driving force right now that we're always worried about our team, but I'd be willing to bet that Milwaukee is really focused on Golden State being three games to zero against Portland and not wanting to lose a game and lose additional uh, days of rest if they're going to have to play Golden State. But Nick Nurse put it very well. They just need to win one game. They need to protect their home court. That's what's really important. They need to find a way tonight to, to, to win a game. Butch, how would you change things in tonight's game? Put your coaching hat on. How would you change things the, for the, the Raptors? Issue is that I, believe, I believe that Nurse makes decisions with Masai, and their choices are do you stick with the same people that got you here? And, and a lot of times teams have changed with, with no goodwill um, in making the change that the other team is just superior, and then it sends you into the offseason in a tailspin with people that should be happy not being happy because how you treated him at the end. I always worried about that with Serge Ibaka after the trade. He has played well. Uh, I think that they're just mismatched talent-wise. Um, you base, they basically Milwaukee basically has two seven-footers. Uh, the one you would think would be in the low post is out shooting threes. And the <laughs> one you would think would be out on the perimeter is in your lane all the time with a huge Euro-step advantage. So I think it's more about Getting to a game where Milwaukee is not making shots, they have just hurt every team they've played in the playoffs consistently with their ability by their veterans to make shots. Butch, how much of this is just that uh, the Bucks bench is so much better than the Raptors bench, and there's nothing that's going to turn that around? Uh how much of that is that? Because at the end of the day, it seems like the Raptors are playing with six players and the Bucks are playing with nine or ten players. Yeah, but that's the position. That, you know, the thing that's, that's hard to swallow is Danny Green has become so ineffective. He was so efficient in helping the Raptors get through the season. And, you know, when you look at a guy in a, in a game and he, he dribbles a ball off his foot, that midcourt um, veteran player, uh, I feel bad for Danny because I think as a potential free agent this summer, he's played very well. He's played very well for this organization. And the Bucks have built their system up, you know, over the course of a year. The Raptors made a U-turn at the trade deadline, and they've only relied on, you know, King Kong and the Rangers to help. And <laughs> if King Kong isn't super, uh, the Rangers haven't been super. So... Is he talking about um, Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, guys. no, it I is. Mean, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, he's talking about running plays for Danny Green. Well, you should have been a running plays for Danny all year. 
because it's your backup plan. Remember, we got a first-year head coach. He's trying to figure it out. You know, it's really not not his fault. You know, you got an experienced veteran head coach on the other side, and he, he just has seen more. His depth of knowledge on how to change things around, how to convert things, when to call timeout to stop runs. Um, you know, that's what they're looking at. And it's just uh, we, we had so much excitement when that ball rolled in in game seven. And now we're dealing with the reality of, you know, this, this may be the best franchise in the East, top to, bo- top to bottom talent for this season because they've got three guys that are free agents that they're going to have to resign too. Uh, but with, with last week's game, uh, do you think that was their championship of the Raptors? Well, I mean, <clears throat> this is the, this is what I the way I look at it. the Raptors historically through their basketball and the NBA have had three windows of opportunity to get to the NBA Finals, and they've always come up short. What I believe on the inability as a team to shoot the basketball. Uh, they've been very good. They've had individual talents. But again, the playoffs are about making shots, not taking shots. And we're going through this period where Siakam, Danny Green, and Kyle aren't consistently making shots on the same page on the same night. And then you come off the bench and Serge Ibaka is not, is not getting into a rhythm. <clears throat> uh, Norman Powell doesn't know when he's going to play or if he's going to play. And so um, it's just been really inconsistent. Um, it's unfortunate if the high point was a ball rolling in in a semifinal of a conference playoff system instead of the finals. And that's what everyone lost, lost vision of. You know, the media companies are so busy selling what they have that it's not directly related to actually how the NBA works. That may be the if that's the greatest shot in the history of the Toronto Raptors, then we'll never win a championship. We're talking about sorry, coach. It's the same we dealing with the Leafs, right? I mean, no matter how we skate, the goal is to win the cup, and uh, you know that was the vision that was brought when the franchise, you know, was first bought here, and it's always been a struggle to get the people upstairs to understand. You know, we're playing for it all. We're not playing for a coffee. We're playing to own the coffee field, so yeah. Um, yeah, my- I wish I wish them the best today. You know, we all want to see the Raptors win and get a chance to to bring it back to two and two, and and get Milwaukee and get where Milwaukee is shaking up a little bit. Yeah, this this thing about whether last week was their championship, you know, it was a great win. But if if our if our expectations are that it's a successful season just by winning, not not getting to the uh, at least to the uh, NBA Finals, um, I, I don't, I'm not sensing that that's a successful season. I want to ask you this, Butch. There's a track record of the of the Raptors coming back from 0-2 lo- uh, deficits against the. I mean, one of the series they won, the other one they didn't. Uh, they came back 0-2 against Cleveland a couple of years back, uh, and they came back 0-2 <coughs> against the Wizards. So the, there, there is there is a precedent for coming back from an 0-2 deficit. Um, yeah. In you, want get, sir, throw, you want me to throw water on your fire? Rope? <laughs> I got that part, Butch. Weren't, weren't those O twos where they lost games at home? 
Uh, well, the 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 uh, the first O two was against Cleveland, where uh, they they lost them on the road against Cleveland. Came back and won two. They won. They lost the first two against Washington on the road, I believe, and then they came back to win that series. But looking at this particular series, Butch, um, you know, it, it's 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 difficult to be confident after what happened in Game Two. Uh, but you know, series go back and forth. There's momentum swings. Uh, you know, we, we didn't seem to be as down when we got down in the 76ers series. Um, the, 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 the second game in this Buck series seem, you know, seems to have deflated the fan base somewhat. Um, well, <clears throat> give us some hope, Butch. Uh, what do they got to do? Uh, you know, the easy, I, I the would, easy thing would, is they got to make I shots, would, but I would, I would physically guard Giannis, take the fouls and shut down everyone else. That's what they need to do. Giannis's Euro step is such a huge advantage. I said he's a more mobile version of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, it, it's such he's playing since Game One, where they lost at home to Boston. He has elevated himself to the most valuable player in the playoff series, East or West. But the whole thing where guys are getting you know twenty twenty five points. Bench guys getting 10 or 15. They're talking about building a wall. Well, they're killing your wall. They killed your wall, so why don't you just go let let Giannis get 50 and have the other guys get 6, 8, 10. It's, it's, yeah, the only game they lost in uh, during the season when uh, he – I think he had 44 points or 45 points against the Raptors, and they ended up losing. You're right. Right, because, uh, see, then Nurse went to a 2-3 zone that he had won a game in Dallas with, and they put Giannis at the free throw line, threw him the ball, and no one guarded him, and he went to the bucket and killed him. Who do you guard him with, Butch? I, I think they tried with Siakam in the last game. He got into foul trouble, uh, five fouls by the early part of the third. How do you, how do you do? You, how how do you guard Giannis? How how do you do it? I would, with I who? Would put, I would put Norman Powell on him and have him use up all his fouls. Interesting, yeah. and just keep keep bringing people at them all game, just and then when you get when you lose the first guy, bring the second guy back. Bring, uh, because you you have to you have to force them to play one way. Right now, we have no idea how they're going to shoot the ball and score because we haven't been able to stop one thing. They're not committed to the wall. In other words, they they say they want to set a wall, but the issue is he's splitting the wall. So if he's going to split the wall, let him go get 50 points and shut everybody else down. And he was talking, Butch Carter, one last question, Butch. We'll let you go. There's uh, there's another series going on in Portland and Golden State, and uh, Golden State doesn't seem to have lost a beat since uh, they lost Durant. I mean, <laughs> Dr- the game Draymond Green played last night was just phenomenal. Comment on I that. Mean, you, you, you have three of the best players to play together in any tandem since the Celtics um, combination of uh, Bird, the Chief, uh, McHale, Dennis Johnson, then you go Magic, Worthy, Kareem. Uh, they are just three outstanding basketball players. And they want to say, here's the issue Golden State has over everyone else. The Golden State players can count. They know who's shooting good, who's shooting bad. You don't see a guy who can't shoot take a shot with Golden State unless it's a layup. 
All the rest of these teams got a bunch of dummies. Right? Guy can make five shots in a row and he won't get five shots the rest of the quarter. <laughs> so, you know, Golden State, they say, well, we play the right way, but I guarantee you it's a simple, you know, it's no different than Shinny, right? You playing Shinny, you playing playground basketball, hey, man, so and so's got a hot hand. We want to stay out here. Give him the puck, give him the ball. How important, and, how important is Steve Kerr? Because, well, he's, he's been, a, he's got, he's got, Championship pedigree. So, see, when you sat, like I, I always said, I would always be good coaching a bad team. I played on bad teams. I would know how to take a bad team to good, and I've shown I can do that. I don't know if I would be a good coach on a championship team because I'm always looking to fix problems. Championship teams don't have problems. And so, Kerr is the perfect personality to fit between Clay, Steph, and crazy Draymond. So he's calm enough that he has respect of his three best players, and that's extremely important. And you cannot give enough credit to Steve Kerr, but Kerr doesn't talk about analytics. He talks about, well, we play the right way. Well, I'm telling you, if playing the right way means Steph just made five shots. Well, he gets five more shots. And Draymond is the glue between them all because he puts so much pressure with his rebounding and dribbling, that now you're scrambling to stop him from getting to the basket on a layup, and he's such a good passer, and he'll find those shooters. So their, their combination just works. It works better than anyone. And every time we think that there's going to be a moment where they're going to fail, you know, a game against Houston or, you know, game last night, I thought they were going to lose. And all of a sudden, Draymond puts his Superman cape on, and <laughs> just they just ride his back. And uh, I think they are enjoying what they're doing. I think they know this may be the last chance for it. And I think there'll be a huge influence on the day's game on how Milwaukee plays. Milwaukee should come out and play with desperation. Amazing, Butch, how how Kevin Durant is missed for the yeah, for this series. Yeah. Because Durant's gone, but we still you know you still got to remember those guys won some championships before Durant got there. Yeah. Anyways, we've been Durant. talking to Butch Carter, Butch. Uh, as you are aware, we've uh, we've run out of time. Uh, it's no li- problem. It's live radio. You know how much we appreciate it. Yep. And uh, we just hope uh, there's a little bit of a turnaround, and we hope that this is not the last time we've interviewed you during basketball season talking about the Raptors. Hopefully oh, there's oh. life, uh, there's hope at the end of this. Uh, totally agree. And Naz, the tariffs are gone, baby. <laughs> yeah, great news. <laughs> Wally and I were talking about it a half hour ago on break. Yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks. The tariffs for, are gone. Thank God. Thanks for bringing a smile to Naz's. Uh, I'll, I'll, we'll elaborate with the listeners as soon as we get off the air with you. All right. Take care, guys. Right. Thanks. Uh, just a, a little bit of an inside joke there. Uh, Naz is in a business where it's uh, tariffs on aluminum and steel. That's correct. Are not good for, not good for you and... Uh, uh, that deal got done uh, between the uh, political leaders. Uh, we don't like to chat politics on this show, but we're happy for you, Naz, and uh, and we're happy that uh, for all um, people in that business in Canada, that those tariffs are gone. Uh, uh, good, for, good for all of you. Anyways, Naz, we only got about a minute and a half left. I know you wanted to chat a little bit about rumblings coming out of Ottawa that they are interviewing Patrick Waugh for the head coach job. And I'm... Don't... Can, you, can you imagine Patrick Waugh and Eugene Melnick together? That would be chaos. 
chaos. Totally chaos. I don't know I where don't the know heck they. I don't know where the heck they got this guy from. Patrick Watt? No. Oh, well, you know. why? Why interview him? Why? Cause, <laughs> it would cause so many problems with the team. It'd be exciting for us. That's for sure. Well, you know, Patrick Waugh, uh, didn't he have a couple of good years in Colorado? Uh, he did. He, I mean, he's one like year the, the, he had 112 points. Yeah, I mean, the coaches nowadays they have they have shelf lives. Um, and Patrick Waugh, when he comes in, uh, seems to be might be successful for a couple of years. But I think he's that's a highly volatile mix for a situation in Ottawa that needs to be calmed down. They need somebody boring to be their coach. I don't see any reason why not to, why not bring in Mark Crawford back. I thought he did a reasonably good job in the time period after they got rid of Guy Boucher. And I think he's good with young players. He's got a track record. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's good at development. Um, give him a shot for a couple of years. What do you got to lose? Here's uh, a guy who went, uh, he was fired by a couple of NHL teams and he came back and he, he went through the whole process again. Put him in there. I think Mark Crawford is. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of the names that have been bandied about. I don't think any of them are necessarily an improvement over Mark Crawford. Um, Eugene, on behalf of the Nazawali Sports Show, give the job to Mark Crawford. Anyways, uh, to all our listeners, it's a May long weekend. Some of you are out on the water. Some of you are on the highways. Uh, all we can say is we always do it this time of year. Please be careful. Um, don't drink and drive. Either. Don't drink and drive, whether you're on the water or on the roads. Take care at all times. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.